Let's get to today's top stories now. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. The Florida Senate passed a bill that would bar children under 16 from using social media. It cleared the chamber with 23 yeas and 14 nays. But in the House, it was overwhelmingly approved. And now that means Governor DeSantis will have to decide if he's going to sign the final version. And, you know, the question here is whether or not this is a legitimate law that can be passed under constitutional rights yeah. to free speech and other issues. And we know where the tech companies stand. They are 100% against it. Right. But parents overwhelmingly support it. There's two issues at play here. There's the constitutionality of the law, and I don't think it would hold up in court. And Governor DeSantis seems to think that as well. Other states have thrown him out. Yeah, he's indicated that's what he thinks. But then there's the other part of this, the parental rights part, which I think is the more interesting discussion here. This has been a state that has promoted parental rights for a couple of sessions now. It's been a top priority. Yet here you're saying this is the state's job, not the parents' job. No matter what you think. And look, nobody's been more critical of social media than me. I hate it. I get off of it in two seconds if I didn't have to do it for my job. Uh, and I think it's absolutely 100% a net negative on society, a net negative for kids. But it's the parents' choice to me as to whether or not you want your 15-year-old on Facebook or Yeah, it's the parents' responsibility. It absolutely is. And one of the uh, supporters of the bill, Republican senator here in the state, Aaron Grawl, said, and I'm quoting here, this isn't about parental rights. Parents do not have the right to harm their children. We're saying the harm is too great. We must intervene. And so then the question becomes, and this is what we talked about earlier, Dana, the question becomes, okay, well, where does that end? So if you've got a parent who's feeding their kid sugar and a bunch of crap fast food which a lot i mean i do it i mean i try to make sure he eats his vegetables too but we all give our kids food that isn't necessarily good for them so where does it end right the child obesity problem is a huge problem here in this country some could argue that that's a bigger problem than the social media issue and so uh is it government's role to step in and say well that parent's harming their kid and the harm is too great cigarette smoke is really bad for children are we going to start taking kids away from their parents if they smoke right so uh, but here's why parents overwhelmingly support this bill When you think about social media, okay, adults look at it and it came about in the middle of their lives. They can take it or leave it. Some people don't like it. Some people Mm -hmm. use it. You know, they they seem to have sort of a a choice in the matter. They all agree that kids are addicted to this stuff in a different way than adults. They It looks like a drug when you see them use it. They don't want to do anything else other than be on these screens. And that's why parents see this as being a more urgent issue than say, oh, I'm giving my kids some candy or sugar. It it is an urgent issue, but the parents can say, no, you're not getting a phone. The parent has that control. Or they can say, you're going to have this device, but these are the apps you're allowed to use on it. So, like, my son is 11. He wants to be on YouTube. And I said, no. He wants a phone. And I said, no. Like, with your... Your kids, you can say no that they can't have certain things. You know, I think here again, though, the tech industry has a lot to explain in the sense that why is it that the algorithms they have on these these apps uh, create an environment where kids are are getting involved in hate issues, uh, body image issues, Mm -hmm. and some of these things that they really shouldn't be dealing with at that age? You're 100% right, and that's why I think the approach that California is taking, and and look, uh, it's not often I say, hey, let's look to California (laughs) for the answer on something, but California, instead of banning it, they're focusing on 
algorithm restrictions. And first of all, I think that would hold up in court better than just an all-out ban like this. And that is, like you mentioned, Chris, that is a central problem here. But you also, I, I would say on the flip side, let's say you have, I'll just throw this out there, uh, an LGBTQ minor or something, or a minor going through something, and they find a community of like-minded people on social media, and that makes them feel better and accepted and all of that, then in that instance, should they be banned from it? Is it harming them? Is it helping them? You know, again, I think it's a net negative overall, but I'm not going to ignore cases and examples where it does help. Right. Well, it should just be the parent's choice. That's the bottom line. It should be the parent's choice. Do you want your kids to even have a cell phone or a device? And then what apps are you allowing them to use? And that's where the parents need to make that decision. I know the algorithm is bad. Mm -hmm. I wish that I had kept my daughter off social media longer, but we didn't know. And we let her use it starting when she was like 13. Right. And it had negative impacts. Now, with my son, it's not happening for a while. So he can't even go to Ryan Gorman's show on, uh, on uh, no, Instagram? I don't want him listening to this nonsense at all. <laughs> That's another no good way. Point. Oh, come Touché. on, he might learn something. Touché. So, yeah, but here's the bottom line. If if the governor uh, signs it, you know, goes into law, and then it goes to the courts, if he vetoes it, he does not have a veto-proof. There's not a veto-proof majority yeah. in the Senate, so it would die. And so it's really, up to the, it's really up to the right. governor whether this thing moves forward. Mm-hmm. So a bill that seeks to prevent motorists from cruising in left lanes of highways is headed to the governor's desk. The Senate voted 37 to nothing <laughs> to pass <laughs> the bill. we can all agree on. Which would apply to drivers on highways with at least two lanes in the same direction and speed limits of 65 miles per hour or higher. And over in the House, it was 113 to 3. And the sponsor says the measure is intended to improve highway safety. And... Here in Florida, there's definitely a lot of people who complain that there are these folks who they get in the left lane yeah. in a 65. They're going 60 on cruise control mm-hmm. yeah, or, exactly or 55 right. or something. Yep. And don't get out of the lane when cars start to uh, pile up behind them. No, I think some of them like it. I think they I think they get they a kick like out it. of watching oh, people they, zip around them. They know they're I, it happened to me again this morning. I feel like every time we do the story, I'm like, it happened to me this morning. But yeah, coming off the Selman onto, onto I-4, you, you have to merge in the left lane. And this guy is going so slow and he just wouldn't move. And I had to go around him. And then there's a truck coming. It's so frustrating. Yeah. My yeah. only complaint with this bill is that it didn't go far enough. First of all, the yeah. penalty should be capital punishment. And second of all, <laughs> the speed limit, 65, it should be like 55. You can't camp out in a highway because that's 270. Yeah. Yeah, the Selman, the Selman, or the is, Selman yeah, yeah, the Selman is not sixty-five, and yeah. so that's one of the worst places for right. it. Yeah, but it's fine. a start. Yeah, the fine is set at one hundred and fifty-eight dollars. But you know, Peter Shorsch brought up an interesting point. He says that this bill, because you're not supposed to be in the left lane at all unless mm. you're actually passing a car. Uh, this sets up cops to have all kinds of excuses to pull people over whenever they want. In particular, the sort of you know driving while black issue and some other things like that. He says that this just gives cops. More power to pull people over for you know suspicious reasons. Well, if uh, this is why we can't have nice things, people should have uh, put the pedal to the metal in the left lane, and we wouldn't have this problem. Why yeah. did they invent cruise control? Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> right. What else we got going on this morning, Chris? Well, Tampa City Councilman Alan Clendenin being criticized for a racial comment that he made toward Tampa's only Black City Council member during a public meeting, a community redevelop agency meeting. He was talking about. Uh, street signs and yeah. the designs of street signs and he made a comment quote i'm going to pull out my gay card and veto the color schemes and then 
the councilwoman Gwen Henderson started coughing. Right. We have the clip in the background. Yeah. Let, okay. Here let's, we go. Let's play the clip here. I'm, I'm going to pull out my uh, my uh, gay card and veto with the color schemes on all of these. So uh, it's, <laughs> that's absolutely completely unacceptable. Um, but the uh, also, I mean, obviously, I, I, I love the fact. <laughs> did I kill you on that one? You could pull out your black card anytime you want, but I can't pull out my gay card. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we said last week that it was going to be bad. Yeah, cringy. Mm. It's yeah. very cringy. Yeah, so what happened was uh, at the regular city council meeting, uh, leaders in the black community came and spoke and said it was unacceptable behavior by the city council member to uh, to speak like that and talk about gay cards and black cards yeah. and all that. He thought because he's in uh, you know a minority group, the LGBTQ community, he could just say what he wants about another minority group. They're all yeah, no. in it together. No, they're, they're they, they, are, they are not. They battle it out. You can you can st- you got to stick to your own group. Don't insult anybody else in any other group. It does yeah. not apply. Now I think he's he's what apologized since like I don't know this uh, other member of city council, the woman who he was talking to, Glenn she, Henderson. Uh, she yeah. offended by it i mean like i not great not great not gonna deny that but okay i mean you're not gonna cancel right, and i think really. he had also said that they had a good working relationship so it may have been something where he yeah. he might have been able to get away with it in a private setting they joke right. around like that but in a public meeting you just can't say that <laughs> no. yeah i think that that what, what happened was well first of all she was coughing while yeah. he while he said that as if to sort of acknowledge that that was i don't know <laughs> The uh, gay card part. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. don't do that. And then he's like, oh, I'll just take it one step further. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, she was clearly, you know, acknowledging him saying that after after he said it. However, uh, she said that uh, he needed to, you know, stay focused. Mm-hmm. And I think afterwards she said that that just wasn't the right venue for that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but obviously there are people who hear that sort of thing and are like, you know, you can't be saying that at a city council public right. meeting like that. Right. Um, but and it so gave us good content for the show. So it sure did. <laughs> Yeah, and, when, and, <laughs> and, 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 for, and for TikTok and Instagram, yeah. because we posted the clip there and it got quite a few comments. And so when's the last time you heard anything from the community redevelopment agency <laughs> meeting exactly right. or, or, the, or the designs of the street signs? Yeah. So, paying you know. attention to them now. So the clip is on our Instagram and TikTok at Ryan Gorman Show. I just had to get that. Oh, there. absolutely. Go yeah. check that out. Uh, share it. Yeah, share it. Comment. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Have your kid watch it uh, while you're at it. All right. Chris Trankman with today's top stories. Chris, thanks so much. I got my Ryan Gorman card. There I'll, you go. I'll be <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Gorman here with Dana McKay and James Berlander. AT&T had a rough day yesterday with an outage impacting tens of thousands of customers across the country, including me. Although, like I said, I didn't mind the fact that nobody can contact me. I actually kind of liked it. I was hoping it would go on longer, at least for me. Uh, for more on this, let's bring in cellular industry veteran, telecom expert and founder and president of Vertical Consultants, Hugh Odom. So, Hugh, what the hell happened? Well, that's a good question. The latest from AT&T is that they were doing a software upgrade uh, last or uh, the night before this all happened, and there was a coding error. And basically think of it when you're in- installing uh, software on your computer and it just goes bad. Uh, that's what they're saying happened. The, the interesting thing here is that it took almost 12 hours for them to determine what the issue was release it to the public and that is really interesting in the sense where usually if something like that you'll know pretty soon and be able to get it out there especially with all the speculation that this was a cyber attack the problem was it was impacting they said tens of thousands i would tell you i think it was in, impacting hundreds of yeah. thousands of, of 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 wireless users around the country yeah i mean uh 
it impacted me here in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, my mom, who has AT&T, she's up about an hour north. It was impacting her. Aaron Real, who's our national correspondent in New York, uh, it impacted her during the show. So I think it was probably a bit more widespread than they're saying. But this, this coding error, is that almost like somebody had one job and... <laughs> Didn't do it. <laughs> Didn't do it right. Yeah, put somebody put a one and a zero out of play. Yeah. Shut it all down. Is, that's right. That's how, and that's the that is the amazing and troubling uh, fact as well is that you know if you think about it yesterday how many people were impacted from getting communication with your kids your loved mm -hmm. ones to doing business to emergency services, how this is so fragile and how we rely upon it on so many different levels and something of that of that little magnitude with regards to the air possibly has such a widespread effect. But the problem is when they're rolling out 5G and they've been doing this, is they're trying to do this so fast and they're doing it fast because they're promoting it so much, mm -hmm. but there's so many issues with it. There's lack of infrastructure. There's not enough cell sites out there. And when they're trying to upgrade the system, Things like this happen. You spread you spread the system too thin, you get more exposure for issues like this. And I, unfortunately, I think this is going to happen more and more. And we've talked about this before with you. Again, we're joined by Hugh Odom, a cellular industry veteran, telecom expert and founder and president of Vertical Consultants. We've talked about 5G. You know, we see it on our phones and we hear it in these commercials and everything that uh, 5G network, 5G this, 5G that. But it's not technically the 5G that is revolutionary right we're not there yet no we are what i like to call 5g light and we're very early in the process and um they promoted as 5g but really you're in my estimation you're getting a little bit of an amped up 4g and until they can you know the biggest catalyst of this and this is what we deal with every day is on the, in the infrastructure we build out of cell towers etc is that there's just not enough infrastructure out there to to get the network. You have to have such dissipation. You have to have so many sites to get 5G up and running at the speeds that they are promising. So you don't have it. And as a result, um, what you're pr being promoted is not what actually you're getting on your phone and your overall services. Let's talk about the rumors that it had to do with a solar flare or something like that. Is that something that could, even if it wasn't, uh, the the cause of this yesterday, this outage, is that something that could cause an outage in the future? I, I can't dismiss it 100%, but the, the frequency and the transmissions are totally different from what usually a solar flare would impact. You can't ever take anything off the table, but it was unlikely at best. And the threat of a cyber attack taking down one of these networks. What is the cybersecurity infrastructure like for AT&T, Verizon, and what are some of the concerns in that area? Well, they do their best to, to prevent this, but if you think about a year or so ago, you had uh, several data breaches for AT&T, T-Mobile, with the current security on the information, people's personal information. So you can see that is open to cybersecurity threats, and also the actual networks are always going to be open to it because everybody's trying to find a vulnerability. As I mentioned before, not to be overly repetitive, is that because 5G is such expansive and you're pushing so much data, you basically have more probabilities of something going wrong and that's all that has to happen and in this case you know it, it's kind of a double-edged sword we're glad it wasn't a cyber attack at least that's what they're saying 
but also it almost looks even worse because this is something they could control mm. and they didn't control it. So. So searches yesterday for ATT customer service exploded by 5,782 <laughs> percent. Over 291,000 AT&T uh, users reported outages between 3.30 and 6.50 a.m. yesterday morning. Uh, at the same time, Google searches for why is my phone in SOS mode skyrocketed by 16,566 percent. And then searches for cancel ATT shot up <laughs> by 567%. Yeah, and last question for you, Hugh. Uh, what does something like this do to a company like ATT? I mean, do people really go and, and cancel their service or switch providers because of something like what happened yesterday? Well, I don't think it's good news for AT&T. That's obvious. But I yeah. think the, the problem for AT&T is they're lacking so far behind T-Mobile with regards to the race of 5G and customer uh, uptick is this is going to be a, a, a problem they're going to have to deal with. But it, it is not just limited to AT&T. This is going to also impact in some form or fashion the other carriers as well. So right now we just tell people that reach out to us, just have a backup plan in place. And the problem really very quickly is that AT&T – just a few days before was announcing they're getting rid of landlines across the country. So that's usually the backup. You go to a yeah. landline, and, and if that's not there, what do you do? Hugh Odom, cellular industry veteran, telecom expert, and founder and president of Vertical Consultants with some insight into yesterday's cell service outage. Hugh, really appreciate the time and insight. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. See, I, I think it depends on, on the deal that you can get and also, like, you know, we get a discount through the company. That's why I am with AT&T because of the discount and not switching because of that. I saw a lot of people go on to social media yesterday and I'm, like, I'm done. I'm switching to this or that. That's a hassle. Like, right. It I, is a huge hassle. Yeah. Now, if it keeps happening, then I can right. see why you'd want to switch. But it's technology stuff's going to happen. It, I bet a lot For of people are not going to bother going stories, exactly. Let's bring in our national correspondent, Rory O'Neill, whose report is brought to you by Mark Spain Real Estate. So, Rory, let's talk about tomorrow's South Carolina primary. Not a lot of suspense here. No, uh, the question is the margin. Mm -hmm. And if Nikki Haley can get it to under 20 points, then maybe there's a chance that will give donors some, I don't know, thought that maybe she could pull something off and, and they'll write checks. But this is about the margin. And if it's embarrassing, then the money dries up. And that really means her campaign would come to an end. Yeah, right now, uh, the latest polling, and there hasn't been a lot of great polling out of South Carolina. I don't think there was any real point in doing it because everybody knows what the outcome is going to be, but generally has Trump up 25 to 30 points on Nikki Haley. And even if she does get it down, I would say, and this isn't uh, going to happen, but I would say she needs to get it down 10 points or below because anything more than that. Oh. And, and and we're talking about the former governor of that state. That's pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. Having lost by, you know, 20 points or even, even 15 points. And we're going to say that's a win somehow. I don't think so. All right, and keep this in mind, it's an open primary. So Democrats who do not vote in the recent Democratic primary can vote in the Republican primary. But why would a Democrat support Nikki Haley, considering in the polling she beats Joe Biden? At least if Trump is the nominee, Democrats have a chance right. in a Biden-Trump matchup. But if you put Haley in there, she'll crush Biden. Yeah. So the Democrats are less likely to come over and cross just to, you know, 
stick the, a thumb in the eye of Donald Trump. Yeah, Trump generally, it seems like in, in the recent batch of uh, head-to-head polling against Biden, he's usually up by like one, two, three percentage points, somewhere in there, maybe a little bit more depending on the state. Um, Nikki Haley, when you look at those numbers, I mean, she's got a pretty sizable lead over Biden outside of the margin of error. Now, if she were to get the nomination, would that lead hold? Because would Trump supporters, would MAGA, would they show up for Nikki Haley? I think that's a right. real question. But certainly she has a much stronger support among independent suburban women, some of those key groups that Trump has struggled with in the past. Well, right. She does bring a different kind of Republican to the table, different from the MAGA Trump supporting Republican out there. So that would be different. And, and it would make things interesting for us as we try to find anything to make this campaign interesting going into uh, into the conventions. Yeah, it, I think even if she gets blown out in South Carolina, it sounds like she's going to hang in through uh, Super Tuesday. And I guess if you got the money, uh, why not? It's, I, only a week, it's a week away. What's the difference? Yeah, I, I still I don't see a path forward, even if something were to happen with trump and he weren't to be the nominee of the republican party i just don't see the party galvanizing behind nikki haley at that point they'd look for someone else and certainly desantis he's kind of hanging in the background i know he's technically out of the race but he was just recently he's on the ballot tomorrow technically yeah yeah he was just spending some time in south carolina and uh just some of the things he's been saying uh recently he's he's kind of hanging in the background but uh, at, that's what I don't know where Nikki Haley thinks she's potentially going to go with right. all of this, uh, unless it's just kind of to become the standard bearer for the party in some kind of post-Trump world. If that's what she's setting herself up for, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm 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 speculating here. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. What's it. the path? Yeah. What's the path forward? You know, when you try to read the tea leaves yeah. after Super Tuesday, what is next for her? All right. Another story you're covering this morning. Again, we're joined by our national correspondent Rory O'Neill. There was a moon landing last night. Did Ralph Cramden finally send Alice there? <laughs> right. Seriously, they're trying to still pick the first woman to go to the moon, and I'd make that a requirement. Must be named Alice. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, no, it was a bit of a nail biter. So Odysseus or Odie, the lander was able to touch down. We don't know a whole lot about its health or its exact orientation. This thing is 17 feet tall, um, but wow. we're trying to get better signal from it. That's the last report we got from Intuitive Machines, the maker of this. It's, it's significant because this was all done by a private company that put this together with NASA funding, keeping, to be clear. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is the, the fact that a private company did this is remarkable. Yeah, and you know we've got we've got rovers on Mars, so uh, just landing uh, spacecraft is it that big of a deal uh, to do it on the moon or is it just it's because this is a private company for the first time that's really it's still a bit of a big deal and then this is a part of the moon we haven't really explored the southern polar region and this is where we hope to go back to again we're sending we're going to send a lot of these lander robotic missions up there uh, that nasa has hired to help sort of to as scouts to find some of the best locations to touch down because look the idea is in 1969 we were on vacation to the moon uh what we're planning for now is to move in and it's a bit of a different operation and where is the timeline for a potential moon landing involving people again is that it keeps getting pushed back uh, yeah, they, they don't move it up, that's for sure. Mm. So next year we'll have Artemis 2, that's going to go around the moon. Okay. Artemis 3 is the one we're looking for to put the first woman and the first person of color on the moon. They're saying 2027, but... 
2027, and uh, I heard a little uh, DEI uh, mixed in there for the moon mission. I'd say, Interesting. I, I wouldn't put it before 28, but there you go. Right, on the, uh, hey, look, if you want to spend the money, you'll get the results. But so long as NASA's one half of 1% of the budget compared to 1969 when it was 4% of the budget. Yeah. Makes a difference. Yeah, for it. Our national correspondent, Rory O'Neill, with us this morning. Rory, appreciate the update. Have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. All right. The Ryan Gorman Show on News Radio WFLA. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ryan Gorman Show and find us online at RyanGormanShow.com.